0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin. Proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. The church often alternates between times of celebration, like Christmas and Easter. Uh, These are times of feasting. Uh, and it alternates between that and times of penitence, like Advent or Lent, uh, or even uh, in times of war uh, and discord. Uh, Lent uh, and uh, the war that, were, that is raging in the world right now uh, is a period of fasting. Uh, you know, some people give up fasting uh, or give up dessert uh, during Lent. Some people fast from Social media, some people fast from meat every Friday. Are you fasting from anything? Well, the Bible doesn't require it, uh, but it doesn't mean it isn't a good, right, or salutary practice. Uh, often as Lutherans, I, I think we abuse our Christian freedom sometimes, and uh, you know, we tote the fact that we don't have to fast. Uh, but do we say that simply to excuse our lack of self-discipline and laziness? You know, it's as if I would say, well, I may not be in the best of health, but I don't have to give up eating Cheetos every meal, every day. And so why then, why then would we fast? Uh, well, for one, Jesus assumes that we, that we will. In our gospel lesson for Ash Wednesday, Jesus says, when you fast, whenever you are fasting. And he's establishing a pattern of Christian piety. And he does the same with prayer and with, with giving to the poor. He says, when you pray, when you give, when you fast. And fasting, like prayer and giving, uh, is not just for the super, uh, the super religious, but uh, uh, the common practices for common Christians. Now, to be clear, this is ultimately about fasting from sin. Uh, giving up some selfish habit with the, the intention of resuming that, that same old habit after Easter doesn't really accomplish the goal. Uh, Giving up chocolate temporarily, uh, just to resume it later, isn't really the point. Rather, there's something deeper here. And although neither prayer, nor fasting, nor giving actually bring us God's grace, uh, we might say that there's a, a sacramental character here. We confess in the small catechism Fasting and bodily preparation are indeed a fine outward training. And at first, Luther would seem to be harsh uh, against fasting. Ah, it's just a a fine outward training. But his concern is that fasting was taking the place of repentance, of true repentance and faith. Or the fasting itself, where what you do, that, that becomes the repentance. As if you're paying for your own sins. And what that always looks like, is that uh, you're paying at a lower cost than what your sin is actually worth. Oh, I'll just stop eating uh, some milk and eggs for a while. That'll pay for my sins. So, fasting is not required for the Lord's Supper. Uh, The Lord's Supper is the ultimate feast. And here Christ tells us to not despise it and forsake it, but to partake of it often. And so we have a certain amount of freedom here too uh, in that word often. And again, just as with fasting, we, we can tend to abuse that freedom. Luther writes in the large catechism, he says, I call that despising the sacrament if one allows a long time to elapse with nothing to hinder him, yet never feels a desire for it. If you want such freedom, you may as well just have the freedom to not be a Christian or to not believe or to not pray. One is just... As much commanded by Christ as the other. Now, in the last couple hundred years, uh, something strange happened. It was a theological movement called Pietism, and it really wasn't new. Um, you don't really need to know the term, but but what it was is that your piety was really what matters most. Uh, in some ways, it was anti-Romish. It did away with all the old church traditions. Uh, such as fasting and focused on and your personal relationship and your personal piety. And so when it came to the Lord's supper, if the question was asked, well how do you know if you are prepared? The answer was, uh, well if you feel prepared. A- and how do you feel prepared? Well oh, by waiting to come uh, until you felt that there is no blemish that God could find in you. But you know what I would call that? I'd call that Fasting, right? Fasting from the Lord's Supper, which is something that God commands us not to do. The sacrament, the Lord's Supper, does not depend on our worthiness. If it did, you and I should never go to it. Likewise, we're not baptized because we're so worthy and holy. We don't go to confession and absolution absolution because we're without sin and pure. Rather, we go to these things because we are poor, miserable sinners. We go exactly because we are unworthy. On the other hand, we need to make a distinction between this and those who think they can come to the Lord's table no matter what they do. Uh, Those who, in the words of the large catechism, are lewd and morally loose, who are not penitent. Those who uh, presume to be Christians yet are are sexually immoral, greedy swindlers or idolaters. Uh, 1 Corinthians 5 tells such people to stay away for they are not prepared to receive the forgiveness of sins. Uh, They do not desire it nor desire to be godly. They'd rather stay in their own sin than receive God's grace. So if you are harboring a sin that you refuse to let go, You should not come to the Lord's Supper. But on the other hand, if you know your sin and you desire to amend your sinful life, if you desire to be rid of that sin, then by all means, come. Christ says, come. Likewise, those who think that they are worthy to come because of who they are, because they're a good Christian, a worthy Christian, likewise shouldn't come. We tend to place More importance on our righteousness, my own personal righteousness, uh, as opposed to the words of Christ. And this is why historically the Christian church practices closed communion. It it admits the sacrament, those who are catechized into that communion. Those who have been taught the words of Christ with regard to the sacrament. Because what is important is, again, not the outward things, not how good you are, uh, but faith and and faith not just as a a general fuzzy concept Uh, no one can can judge another person's faith but but faith as clinging to an actual body of belief of knowing and trusting the words of christ now again no one can judge another person's faith but but what we are to judge is a person's confession so those who are confirmed to be united in the faith are thus permitted to join us at the Lord's table. So we confess he is truly worthy and well-prepared to has faith in these words, given and shed for you for the remission of sins. But what if you don't feel distress over your sin or you don't hunger and thirst for the sacrament? Martin Luther, in both the large and small catechisms, gives this advice. He says, Put your hand in your shirt and see if you still have flesh and blood. Put your hand on your heart and see if it's still beating. See if you're still alive. And you all all can do this. You all can check. I think you're still alive even though nobody's doing it. Well, if you're still alive, good. And if you're still alive, Luther says, go then for your good to St. Paul's Epistle to the Galatians and hear what sort of flesh you have. Galatians says, Now the works of the sinful flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Our flesh is awful. In the words of St. Paul, nothing good dwells in my flesh. It is prone and attracted to so much junk. This is where fasting becomes a helpful tool. The Lord's Supper is called our highest good. If we don't have time or we don't hunger for what we say is our highest good, then it's fair to ask if it really matters as much as we say. And Perhaps our lives are too full, too full of things that are not the highest good. If there are things that, that get in the way of, of receiving the Lord's Supper when it's offered, either things of busyness or, or sinful things, well, these are the things that we can fast from. And fasting allows us to feel again. If you don't eat for a little while, you, you feel it, right? Uh, we Americans are notorious for uh, our increasingly consumerist society. As a culture, we are beyond gluttonous. <clears throat> All these things numb us to our own sin. They distract us. You know, a drunk person eventually gets to a point where he doesn't think he's drunk anymore. And just because we can't feel our own sin or our own weakness, uh, that's not a good thing. And so the solution then is to believe the Scriptures which tell us the way things actually are. In fact, the large catechism says, the less you feel your sins and infirmities, the more reason you have to go to the sacrament to seek help and remedy. Fasting prepares us to receive. It uncovers our hunger. It reveals our weakness. It exposes the idols of my heart. And the purpose, again, is not to offer God something. It's not to offer God a good work, uh, which is often the way that giving up something for Lent is, is understood. But fasting in faith prepares us to receive the good gifts of God. And Jesus promises that your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. God does not reward you because you or I are so deserving. The Lord's Supper is not a reward for how worthy we are. God always gives us everything purely out of his grace and mercy. The humbling of our bodies through fasting, along with the humbling of our spirit in repentance, uh, is seen by our merciful Father. He knows who we are. We are, as we'll hear in a moment, dust. And to dust we will return. And so he knows our struggles and our needs and our sorrows. And he knows exactly how to address them. He sends his son, Jesus, to come to our aid. Jesus lived a holy and perfect life for us, for you. He perfectly cared for the needy. He perfectly prayed and he perfectly fasted. And he was forsaken and rejected by the Father and swallowed up by death itself so that we would be delivered from God's eternal wrath and punishment. Jesus brings these gifts to us, these gifts of, of righteousness and forgiveness and life and salvation when he comes to us now in word and sacrament. And here God gives us a feast, one we are not worthy of, purely out of his fatherly grace and mercy. And here we gain more blessings than we could ever hope to get on our own. More than we could ever give up, we receive. Through these means, Jesus addresses the sin, the weakness, and the hunger that fasting exposes. He promises the hungry and thirsty shall be filled. He says, come to me all you are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. He promises to fill the hungry with good things. He bids us to taste and see that the Lord is good. He creates in us a pure heart and restores to us the joy of his salvation. He gives us a taste of the heavenly feast that we will enjoy in fullness for all eternity. So we fast now in joyful anticipation of the feast of the resurrection to come. In Jesus' name, amen.